Hi there, and welcome to this bonus episode of Flight of Fancy. Today, we're talking to North Queensland tour guide Juan Walker about his country, the Yalanji people, and the experiences on offer up there. And also joining us, we've got Sheridan Rhodes from Traveler.com.au. So Juan, can you, can you basically, can you begin with telling us about the Guguyalanji people? What, uh, what makes them, what is your culture like? What is, what is unique about it? Um, yeah, what, what's, what do you love about it? Well, uh, um, hey, Ben. Um, so yeah, Guguyalanji people, um, our country extends from just south of Port Douglas, um, the Mulberry River just south of Port there, mm-hmm. north along the coast, up through to the Annan River, just south of Cooktown. So distance-wise, it's a massive area for rainforest people, yep. expanding about 400, uh, 400 kilometers in, in length along the coastline. Right, okay. And then our lands run you know, out to the continental shelf, out past the Great Barrier Reef, mm-hmm. and then our lands run inland up to the Great Dividing Ranges. So right, okay. it's um, a pretty spectacular place um, and, and everything here. So our people were quite a um, permanent pe- living peoples, the Gugielangi, mm-hmm. along major river systems, so big watercourses, the Mowbray River, the Mosson River, the Dainter River, uh, Bloomfield River, the Roaring Meg, um, you know, all these big rivers, the Annan River, these big rivers were permanent camps. So our people live permanently along these big river systems right, okay. um, right through the year. And then, you know, we'd move occasionally for um, different seasons. So for ceremony, we'd travel to different areas to meet all the different family, have big celebrations and trade with those different peoples. Mm-hmm. We'd arrange marriages with those groups and settle disputes. Yeah. Um, you know, have big wars and fights there as well. Um, but, you know, those were only, you know, we're only gone for a week or two at a time. Uh, a bit of hunting, traveling, you know, we'd go yep. to places for certain resources at certain times of the year. And then, of course, for cyclone and flood. If a big flood hit the area, our people would travel slightly inland, you know, away from the rising water and then come back to those old camps again and then rebuild. Right. So, okay. you know, quite a permanent living space. Um, but of course, you know, a lot has changed in that time. So, you know, from nutritional lifestyles, my grandparents were born in those times. So mid-1920s, they were still running around naked, um, hunting and gathering the people were wild up here. Yeah, right. Um, 19, mid-1930s, that's when their lifestyles changed. You know, the, the settlers got a stronghold, um, real big stronghold on them. Um, people had to work. Missionaries came. The kids were taken. Um, and then lifestyle change and um, cultural breakdown yep. started to happen. So, um, and then, you know, 1950s and 60s, um, uh, uh, legislation changed and people started to be considered human beings um, yeah. again. Um, and then the people were allowed to, you know, roam freely through the streets. Um, we were allowed to, you know, work for pay. Um, yep. And then coming to 80s with the native title, um, things had started to change. Um, we were then, you know, um, able to claim land back, get back to country and regain a lot of cultural practice. Um, right. And then in my time, I'm very, you know, very lucky in my stage, um, my stage of life, we still had a lot of the old people still around. So we spent time with a lot of the elders that had lived those days and we, you know, picked their brains and actually spent time with them on country, learning about the land, learning about, you know, the, the reef and the sea and the river systems, how to utilize all of the different natural environments and from there, we've just managed to keep it and keep practicing it. And now a big thing today is to um, utilize language. So, you know, re- retaining the language that we have. Um, so we have dictionaries written. I teach language at school on Thursday. So I just finished actually teaching today right? Okay. Um, to be able to get into this. Um, yep. So it's just, a, yeah, um, 
a, a very strong culture, I think, our people, mm -hmm. um, but a very peaceful people. I think that's a big thing with the, the Gugi Yalanji is that because we had such an amazing resource around us, our people are very welcoming. So we don't mind people coming to the place and, and visiting the area and seeing our beautiful um, country mm -hmm. as long as they respect it and don't do the wrong thing by our culture and by the land. Right, okay. Mm. And, and how do you, you know, you, you doing your tours, is that a way for you to sort of preserve and, and share Gugi Yalanji culture? Oh, yeah, for, for, for sure. Um, it's a major thing for us is to be able to teach people about our land and give people a better appreciation and understanding of how it all works and how we connect to it. Um, yeah. My main aim when I take people on tours is to show them that connection that I have with my country, why I love it so much, yeah. um, so that you know, they, when they go home, they want to have that same connection with the country around where they live. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's all about just looking after land, looking at um, family, and once you can start doing that, you'll have a great appreciation for, for everything around you, not just the land and your family, but for visitors who come to the place and, um, you know, your, your, your neighbor, be whatever race they are. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned in the main episode um, learning from your grandfather and, and sort of recreating those experiences in your tours. Can you, can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, so like I said, as a young fellow, I was very fortunate that I still had my old people still around me. Um, so my grandfather lived across the road from my primary school, my grandparents. Um, so when I'd finished primary school each day, I'd just walk over the road, me and my cousin Zef, and we'd spend the afternoon just playing in the backyard. Yep. And he was always at the back making spears and making artifacts and woomers and shields and different things. And my grandmother was forever weaving. So she'd weave the old black palm dilly bags and, right, and baskets. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we had good days and granted, you know, he wasn't so busy making stuff, if the weather was nice and he wanted to get back out on country, he'd grab me and Zeph and grab an uncle with the car, throw us in the back of the ute or whatever and take us out and show us how to make all those different things. So, right. um, you know, he, he wanted us to learn how to do all of those different things, cut the trees, yep. buttresses, uh, make spears and everything else. And so, you know, what we did as kids, I just had evolved that into taking visitors out and showing them, you know, in a friendly uh, manner, um, the stuff that I learned growing up in a, in a much more relaxed in a relaxed way without, you know, um, getting growled by my grandfather, you know, when I was doing the wrong thing, you know, I can't go and yell at people. Um, <laughs> so just, yeah, just take him through slowly step by step on, you know, how yeah, right. I see things in, in the area. Yeah, right. And, and do, you, do you need to sort of have permission from, from elders to, to share certain knowledge um, of, of the Gugilangi? Yeah. So um, when I started, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years now. Yeah. So when I first started, I... Um, actually went into town and grabbed my grandmother and brought her up and, and took her around through the country that I was taking my tours and explained yeah. what I was going to be showing people. And then so she just went through and said, oh, you can talk about this. Don't, don't say that. Yeah. You know, and just told me what I could and can't say while I was on my tour. So um, I was really just yeah, making sure that I wasn't giving too many secretive information away and, <laughs> and making sure that, it, you know, the appropriate stuff was being told to, to newcomers to the yeah. area. Yeah, right. Okay. And is there is there anything that non-Indigenous visitors should bear in mind when they come up to your country and and, and go out on a tour with you? Um, not really, because we go through the basics step by step when we're on tour. Mm -hmm. um, I think when people come to the area, they should um, try and learn a bit more about the place they want to visit. Um, to give you an idea, for example, there's a place up near Cape Trib called the Blue Lagoons. And for yep. years and years, people, it was just open access. Anyone could go in there and jump in and have a swim. And now, um, yep. because of you know the local council and the national parks and um, and so on, have managed to you know well started to listen to our people. It's a very important women's place. 
Um, right. And so we never liked men and going in there and, and jumping in the water holes and stuff. And so with you know, the, the information from us to the council, they've now put up signs. So when you see signs like that saying, you know, these areas are culturally sensitive places, only women are allowed into these places, I think mm-hmm. people should respect our cultural views on that area yep. and adhere to those, you know, those, those laws. Because we still get a lot of people who go up there with their dogs and men jump in there with their pets. And, you know, for us, it's like me going to Westminster Abbey and, you know, going have a goomba on the altar. Um, you know, yeah. it's just, a, you know, just not, not respecting, um, you know, our cultural practices and our, our, our religion, our belief systems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's really important. Um, Sheridan, is there anything you, you'd like to ask of Juan at all? Yeah, I was just going to ask Juan about the Mossman Gorge and, and why that's special to your people. So we call that place Jingalmo. Um, that it's a language place, language name, and it's a really, really um, special river. Um, it's, it's one of the shortest rivers in the world. Um, from the sea to the tops, it's only 36 kilometers in total length. So it's a really short river, but very steep. And because of its steepness and those big granite boulders that you get through the river, it's part of a creation, a snake story, that a big type and he went through there and created that river and made those big boulders all through the river. And because the water coming off the mountains, it's so cold and it's rain and spring water, as it runs down through those boulders, it's naturally filtered and clean. So for our people, it's the healing waters. So right. there's little pools right. and places along the way where people, men and women, you know, they have separate, area, separate areas where men and women would go and in general use areas. Um, so there's special sections where people would go to wash and clean themselves and heal their body, but not just their body if they were sore. You know, women during cycle time, pregnancy times, I never go through it, so I don't understand it, but they'd have places where they'd go to heal their body and, and heal mm-hmm. their spirit. And then men have their own place where we would go and, um, to, you know, to calm down if we're a bit stressed, anxious, you know, things are worrying us, there are places that we can go and also calm down and just get back to nature, get connection again and, you know, get, get rid of all of that mental problems that, that associate with men as well. So yeah, right. to us, the river is, a, is just an amazing place where we just connect and clear our heads and clear our bodies. Mm. It feels like a very healing place. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. Unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap up once again. Um, but, but Juan and Sheridan, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. And, and Juan in particular, thank you for sharing your knowledge. And, and uh, I really hope I can come up there and, and everybody else can come up there soon and join you. Really appreciate your time. No, you're welcome to come anytime. Just give us a bit of advance notice so I can surely <laughs> to fit you in. Um, but, yeah, it was a pleasure having a chat today, Ben. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sheridan. Love it. Thanks, Juan. And, um, that was so interesting. <laughs> I'll have to give Anastasia Palaszczuk some uh, advance notice as well at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Open those That's borders. It. Yeah. That's it. Bye. Thank you. Have a see you later. But guys, thank you. Thanks so much for listening into this bonus episode. We'll see you next time on Flyer Fancy. Flyer Fancy is hosted by Ben Groundwater. This podcast is produced by me, Annie Dang. Audio production by LapFam. And our digital editor at traveller.com.au is Craig Platt.